I just like to yell, so I left it off. Praise the Lord. Well, time's short. I only have about three hours left, so <clears throat> you think I'm joking. Okay, I would tell you about Mexico, but I, I really want to get the word into the word, okay? So I, we can talk afterward for as long as you want. But God is doing uh, wonderful things there. It's a lot of hard work. Hey, brother. It's a lot of hard work, but God is so faithful, and so many people have been involved. So I thank you, all you guys who have been involved in any way. God is doing a work in the lives of people there. They're being changed. They're being transformed. Someone just got married. They were living in sin. They were convicted. They did not want to die and go to hell. And they've been coming to church, and they went, and they got married. They did the paperwork. Praise the Lord. That's the second marriage down there so far. There's another one in line, uh, so that they are not living in sin. Amen. So we had a recent baptism. That's our third baptism in the same family, um, and many, many more things, okay? So God is doing a wonderful work in the hearts of men. Um, Today... Uh, what I want to talk about is what does a real man look like? What does a real man look like? Uh, that's the title of the message, and it's going to be addressed to fathers and mothers <laughs> and men, okay? But yes, it is, about, it is about men, fathers, okay? But everyone is to be edified today, amen? Because these principles are for all Christians, Amen? So what does a real man look like? Our world tells us that a man, you know, he goes home, he tells his wife, you know, is my dinner ready? Is my, are my clothes ready? They're macho, you know, they're in charge. Uh, they're chauvinist pigs and they do whatever they want. That's not a man. That's not a man that gets a woman pregnant and runs off and leaves her with four kids so he can go play video games or go to the bar while his wife raises his children, while he drinks the money away. That is not a man. That's a sissy, okay? That's a coward, someone that does not know how to be responsible, someone that lives for himself. That is the farthest thing from a man. If we want an example of what a real man is, we look to Christ. He is the greatest example the greatest example that, that of a man that there ever was. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. And he came to earth and he lived as a man. He came humbly. He was kind. He was gentle. But he was meek. That means power under control. At any moment, he could have called 72 legions of angels, right? All right to, to, I'm sorry, 12, uh, what was it, 12 or 72? 12, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's 72,000 angels, I'm sorry. I knew the number was in there somewhere. Okay, um, but I'm getting a little bit older and I'm tired all the time, so <laughs> you have to forgive me. I'm not perfect, okay? Go home and read your Bibles to make sure that I'm not telling you a lie, okay? <laughs> okay, at any moment he could call the hosts of heaven and they would come to earth and just do his bidding, do whatever he commands, wipe out everybody, would he do that? He wiped out the entire human race except for eight people in the days of Noah. Okay, much scientific evidence for that all across the globe. Geographical, you know, all over the globe, there's, there's signs of that the flood existed. Okay, 
So, yes, absolutely, he could and he would do that because of sin. Sin in the world is wicked, very, very wicked. But he didn't. He controlled himself throughout his life, and he gave us the most incredible example of what a man and a leader is supposed to look like. He showed grace to those who were humble. He rebuked those who were, proudful, who were prideful, right? He rebuked the Pharisees and the religious leaders over and over again. He pointed a holy finger in the face and he said, you sons of hell, you're keeping people out of the kingdom of heaven. You're locking the door and you yourselves are not entering. That is a man. He was not a respecter of persons. He did not live to please men. He was not moved or swayed by society. Society says, oh, homosexuality is okay and you better accept it or we'll kill you. We'll eat you alive. Jesus would never give in to that. He said, no, it's wrong. It's wrong. He loves people, but he always does what's right. And he always spoke truth, even though it made people so angry that they crucified him. Look at John 7, 7. You don't have to turn there now, but uh, John, you can write it down, look at it later. Okay, John 7, 7. The world cannot hate you. He's talking to his non-believing brothers, but they hate me because I testify to it that its deeds are evil. Jesus told the world, what you're doing is wrong and you need to repent. That's a man knowing that they would hate him and crucify him and beat him and that his own followers would leave him. It's so nice to preach in English with no translator. <laughs> Woo, I don't have to stop and go. It's wonderful. Uh, it is a sacrifice to be there because my passion is to pour out the word, of, <clears throat> the word of God. And it's very difficult when you go, you stop. You go, you stop. You go, you stop. Amen, but God is good, amen? And it's his word that is changing lives. Okay, so let's start the clock now. All right, what does a real man look like? Okay, again, Jesus is the greatest example, and we're gonna examine him first. If you turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, Isaiah nine, six. I love you guys. Thanks for having me. It is such an honor to to be here. Thanks, Joe, for letting me speak. Amen. All right, Isaiah nine six. Did I say it wrong? No, here it is. Okay, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. We know who that is. It's Jesus, right? It tells us he's a son here. And the government will rest on his shoulders. That's a pretty powerful child. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We could talk about that sermon after sermon. Amen. Just those, those names alone. But I don't have time, amen? The Bible calls Jesus right here, 
Eternal Father. What does that mean? Are the oneness apostolics right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay? Maybe if you look at this verse on its own, by itself, you might consider is Jesus the Father. No, absolutely not, because there's over 200 verses in the New Testament alone that tell us, uh, talk about Jesus separate from the Father. 200 scriptures in the New Testament. Amen? That's why we need to read the rest of the Bible to understand things in their context. What does it mean then that Jesus is the eternal Father? These are attributes that Jesus has within him. He has fatherly attributes in him. Amen? A father shepherds. A father protects. A father leads his children. He disciples and teaches his children. He guards them from evil. He provides for them. Is that true? That is what a father is supposed to do. A godly father is supposed to do. And all of those things, can I use this? Sorry, I'm all cotton mouth. <laughs> Does it have COVID in it? Okay. I've already had it twice, so. Uh, I have my mask in my pocket just in case you get mad at me. <laughs> I'm enjoying going into the store <clears throat> without a mask finally. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all right. Next time you give a gospel tract to somebody and they say, oh, no, I don't need that. And you say, no, it's about eternal life. And they say, no, I don't need that. You say, well, why do you have a mask on then? Well, because well, you want to live? You care about not dying? You want life? Yeah. Well, this is about eternal life. Why would you reject it? Because they don't like Jesus. That's why it's very sad. Okay, so a father, Jesus has fatherly attributes okay all those things that I that I said we see Jesus doing as he walked on the earth he tells us in scripture that the father entrusted his children into the hands of Jesus while he was here and while he was here he cared for us with his life did he not his whole life was focused on others. It was never focused on himself. He would always put himself to the side, his hunger aside, his sleep aside. <clears throat> his morning after his cousin got beheaded, John the Baptist, Jesus was a human. Do you think that affected him? Of course, as a man, if your cousin gets his head cut off, that would affect you. And he goes to mourn, I'm sure in the hills, and he sees a great multitude like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them, and he put himself aside. And he came down, and he served thousands and thousands and thousands of people. He never let go, people go home empty. He healed everyone that came to him. He cast out every demon that came to him. Jesus labored for us. What an amazing God. What an amazing shepherd. Amen? <clears throat> I love him so much. Turn to Psalms 23.
<clears throat> okay, we're going to kind of skip through it so that, we're, so that I can get everything done today. I, I was considering preaching until somebody falls off their chair and dies, and then Pastor Steve will lay hands on them, raise them from the dead, and I'll continue my sermon until morning. Is that okay? <laughs> That's biblical. That's biblical. <laughs> Those who fall asleep. That guy fell asleep and fell out the window. Isn't that crazy? Young man, too. Shouldn't have been sleeping, man. Wake up. Wow. And then in the morning, they pray on the beach, and then Paul goes his way. I mean, so beautiful, huh? 20, 23. Okay, it tells us about the Lord. The Lord is our shepherd. He says, well, we, I shall not want. God provides for us. And Jesus, he tells us in John 10, that he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He provides for us. He cares for us. Amen. And while he lived on the earth, he cared continually for his people, even when they needed taxes. Do you remember that? What did he tell? Was it Peter? Go catch a fish. Go catch a fish. He went and he caught a fish and there was a coin in the mouth. He paid his taxes. That's just amazing. When people were hungry, he gave them many, many pieces of bread, right? Multiplied it with baskets and baskets left over. What a wonderful God we have. This shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads us. He leads his people. Jesus says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one is gonna snatch them out of my hand. Just don't run out of his hand, okay? <laughs> He's got his end, okay? He's got his end of the deal taken care of. You just continue to abide in him, amen? Abide in him. Okay, so he leads us, he restores our soul, he guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us into righteousness and every father should be leading their children in righteousness, leading their wives in righteousness. Amen? And you women, follow along, amen? Follow Christ and your husband as he follows Christ. Amen? Let him lead you in righteousness. Amen? Read the word to your children, fathers. Read the word to your children. Pray with your children. Pray with your wife. Read with your wife. If she won't, get some duct tape. Make her sit there and read the word to your wife. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <clears throat> Where's my wife? Okay, is she back there? I better be careful. <laughs> Get myself in trouble all the time. One time the other day I was saying something and she wasn't there and I like to joke, you know, when she's not there with everyone. And, uh, and all of a sudden I see her come in the window of the cry room and she goes, she's like, I, I'm here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. 
I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> okay. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. He leads us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. The rod, I'm sure, is used to snatch the, the, the hook on it, is used to grab their, their, uh, their lambs, and I'm sure also protect their lambs. If I had a rod, that's what I'd use it for. Right? <clears throat> he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He, is a gu- he guards you. He protects you. And that is what every godly man is supposed to do. Amen? Guard, protect. Even if you're a man that simply is teaching other men, you need to do these things. Amen? Guard them from false doctrine. Guard them from the sin, the temptation of this world. Guard them from the evil one. Amen? Look out for their souls. That's what the scripture says. This is so important. We're going to be held accountable. Fathers, you're going to be held accountable for the direction of your family. You're going to be held accountable for your wife. You're going to be held accountable for the condition of your children. Yes, they have their free will. They have their own decisions to make. But God's going to hold you accountable for if you did what you were supposed to do. Being a man actually is, it comes with huge responsibility. Look in the garden. God told Adam the command. He told Adam the command. It doesn't say that God told it to Eve. Obviously, Adam told and instructed his wife. And then he let her do whatever she wanted. And he was there beside her and he took it and he ate. And what happened? Who did God go to first? To the man. What? What happened, Adam? He goes to the man first. You have a great responsibility. We are not to be running around playing in life. We are to be responsible, living for the will of God. Living to do the things that God has put in our charge. Amen? So that we can wash our wives in the water of the word. Amen. And hopefully present them before the Lord one day. Amen. Copying the example of Jesus with his church. That is what Jesus is doing with you and with me. Amen. Washing us, sanctifying us so that we will uh, be spotless before him one day. Beautiful bride. Okay, let's move on, okay? He goes on to tell us that he anoints our head with oil, our cup runs over, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the end goal, amen? It leads us to dwell with him forever and that is our job, to lead people to Christ, that they may be with him forever. Lead our children to Christ, our wife, that we will continue to direct her that direction. Amen? And those around us. <clears throat> okay, John ten twenty seven. I already said it. I get excited and I get ahead of myself. But what did Peter say? If he repeats himself, it's, it's not a, a bad thing. It's good for us. All right? Oh, sure, brother. Thank you. It's good to see you, man. <laughs> Love you. 
I miss you guys, man. Praise the Lord. John 10, 27 through 29. Where are we? Where did I go? I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry. 20, not 20. Where did I? I scribbled these down. Honestly, I I drove away. I left my Bible on the top of my car with all my sermon notes from yesterday, uh, from middle of the night. And so I got here because I had a baby in one hand. I had my kids and I had something else. And I think I put the Bible on the top. So it went... So I scribbled down with the help of the Lord. So I might have scribbled a, a verse wrong. But, but no, it's right here. Okay? Uh, verse 27. Uh, again, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen? Uh, my Father who's greater, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. They are one in essence, amen? Distinct in their ministries, but they are one in essence, amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, so what is Jesus doing? He guarded his disciples while he was on this earth. He guarded them so that no one would snatch them away. And of course, Judas did. He says he is a son of perdition, okay? And uh, he was going to deny Christ no matter what. He, he was going to make that choice. Some people, they're just going to reject God. You're going to share the gospel with them and they make a choice to reject Christ and say no to his voice. Do not be that person. Do not be that person. <clears throat> Amen. This is life and death. So Jesus guards us. One of his attributes, his fatherly attributes, amen? Okay, John 17, 12. We are to learn from Jesus. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name. He's talking to the Father in heaven. Uh, in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Okay? Jesus, this is a beautiful prayer, a high priestly prayer in, in John 17, before Jesus goes to give his life. For who? For us. How sacrificial, amen? Before he goes to give his life, He kneels down and he prays to the Father. And he says, you handed me these people to shepherd. And while I was on the earth, I I shepherded them, I guarded them, and now I'm committing them back to the hand of the Father because I'm going to go be crucified for them. Keep them, Father. And he commits them back to the Father. What a beautiful relationship we see between Jesus and the Father, isn't it? So beautiful. Did you all have coffee this morning? 
<laughs> in Mexico, I tell them, go get coffee in the back, you know, if they need to quietly. Cause, so that, those guys, they work six days a week. Six days a week. So when they come to church on Sunday, that's like their only day off. Think of that. And some of them come continually, committed. It's amazing. And Wednesday is full a lot of the time. Wednesday, sometimes it's fuller on Wednesday at times than it is on Sunday. That's amazing because they work the fields, a lot of them, all day long. And then they come and they sit to hear the word. Many of them don't have cars. They walk or we pick them up in the church van that God provided, amen? Nathan, my brother here, who's been with us five months, serving, such a blessing. You guys can't have him back, okay? He's all ours. <laughs> no, he's the Lord's, amen? But he, he goes and he picks these people up from, from afar, and they come and they sit and they hear the word. And some occasionally, you know, <laughs> on a Wednesday night. All right. <clears throat> Okay, John 17, 12. Have you ever noticed this about Pastor Joe? He has like a stack of, of notes, like 40 pages or something, right? And he goes like this, right? But he never looks at them. I think they're probably blank, and he just does it to be humble, right? It's all in here, right? Because he comes with a giant, maybe it's the same stack every, month, every, every, every service, and he goes like this, and he sets her here, and he never looks. And he just pours out like 102 scriptures, you know, in half an hour. And it's just wonderful. Praise the Lord. We are blessed, you guys. We are blessed. We are blessed. I don't know how many churches you've been to, and I'm not here to say, oh, we're all number one. But I've been to churches all across the United States and back, to the, to the East Coast and back. And the churches are lacking in some of the treasure that you find here. Don't neglect that. Don't forget that. Fight for this fellowship. Fight against division. Fight against gossip. Fight against those things. Preserve this fellowship. Pray for one another. Amen? We're told in Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God so you can stand against the walls of the devil. And then he says to pray for the saints. Pray for one another. Don't cut each other down. Amen? You have some people, wonderful leaders, people that love you. You have such solid truth. Amen? If there are things lacking here, then fill that gap. You go serve. You go speak to people. Amen? Fill that gap. Fight for this fellowship. That is my prayer, that this fellowship will continue until Jesus comes back in the clouds with the hosts of heaven. Amen? Yes. That you are standing until the end. This is, we are in war, and I pray that you have a sense of urgency. Amen? Satan wants us to feel comfortable in the United States. It is never a place of comfort in this life. We are pilgrims. We are passing through. We are passing through this life. We are not to settle down. Amen. We are to press toward the goal. We are to have our mind in heaven where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Press into the kingdom and settle down once you're there. Amen. Jesus is preparing a place for his children. Amen. 
Fight for this fellowship, you guys. Amen? Don't let, don't let COVID make you run away. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, I've only got two hours left. Man, never enough time. Okay. John 10, 11. What does Jesus say? I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The ultimate act of love, there's no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for us. Think of that. I mean, you can give your shoes away and you go without shoes, but at least you continue to live. Even if you lose a hand for a friend, you just live the rest of your life without a hand. You suffer, but you still get to live. You still get to see and breathe and taste and talk and laugh. But if you die, it's done. Lights out. No more of this life. Think of that. The ultimate act of love is to say, I will lay down my life for somebody else. The greatest act of love, and that is what our master did. That is what our shepherd, the great shepherd of our soul, did for us. Sinners. While we were spitting in his face and nailing him to a cross. Yes, we did that. We were part of that. The very same people that that saw him healing and driving out demons. Uh, Weeks later, they were there saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's us. Fickle. Fickle. One day we see a miracle, we say, I believe. And the next day, the world says, you better not believe or we'll send you to prison. We say, okay, okay. I don't believe I'm not a Christian anymore. I'll do whatever you tell me. Just look at what happened this last year. Look at what happened. Churches closed everywhere. And most of them did not fellowship. Most of the pastors did not visit people. I shouldn't say most. Many of them. Because I know for sure many of them. Some of them, I know, I know one, he simply abandoned or I should say left a church of 80 people in Mexico. And he moved to the United States. And simply left them to dissipate. How can you do that? How can you do that without even finding a shepherd to take over? How do you love those people? You don't. You just let them go? Because the government told you to? People were not being visited. People were not fellowshipping in their homes. People just quit. Quit church. Quit fellowship. Quit the things that God's commanded to do. If we do that, what's going to happen when there's a gun to your head and they're saying deny Christ or die? You're going to deny Christ. Does that make sense? If we can't even deny Food for a day. If we can't even deny food for one meal to spend time in prayer, how are we going to die for Christ? We need to be prepared, amen? 
We need to be prepared. Stand up, amen? And it starts with men leading their homes. Men leading other men. Amen? We are the head of the house. We are to lead in righteousness and say we are going to stand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Joshua, we will serve the Lord no matter what. You can kill us. You can take everything away. The early disciples gladly allowed their property to be taken. That's what the scripture says. Jesus is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. That's us. Amen? And if Jesus laid down his life, then we are to lay down what we want to do with our life, my agenda, my plan. This is my 10-year plan. What about God's will? Those who do the will of God abide forever. Amen? Are you living for God's will? Or are you living for your will? In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I think the scariest chapter in the Bible. Maybe some of you agree, I don't know. Very scary, amen? And it says, let's just look at it. It says, yeah, 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But who? He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Who enters heaven? Those who do the will of God. Are we saved by works? No. No, you're not. But your faith, if it's real faith, there's action behind it. Okay? Here's a great example. I've been, I've been talking to a Mormon in Mexico. He speaks English. It's wonderful. Took him out to eat and talked to him for three hours while he had his mouth full. It was wonderful. And he starts emailing me saying, there's not a day that goes by I don't think about what you said. Praise the Lord. Amen, Nathan. Not a day. And he says, please explain to me the doctrine of salvation. A Mormon. Don't tell your leaders you're, you're asking me these things, okay? And I wrote him pages back. And he went home and he studied it. And he said, is this correct? And he explained to me in very good theology for him, for being a 20-year-old that's learning. He understood salvation through faith alone in Christ. Amen. That we receive the grace of God and that's how we're saved. Not by works of the law. That's a breakthrough. And then he said, I have more questions for you. I said, ask me any that you want. Okay? He asked me, and then he got five more pages uh, in response, and he's still working through those. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. So he asked me about James. Works without, fa uh, works without faith is dead. And a great explanation for that. 
is these couple that just got married in our church, okay? They've been coming. They believe in Christ. They believe what they're hearing. And because they believe, they start to fear God. They're hearing the truth that if they live in fornication, they will perish. They believe that. They fear that. And they took action. That action didn't save them. It's the faith that saves them. But real faith acts. Does that make sense? Yeah? And they got married. They got married. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. We took them to the government building. They set up an appointment. We got the paperwork figured out. And now they're hitched. Amen? And praise Jesus. That's, that's the work of faith. Amen? In their hearts. So, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Amen. If you know Christ, if you've believed in Christ, you're going to start living for his will. Where do we find his will? It's right here. Bible says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If we do not understand what the will of the Lord is, the Bible says we are unwise. Read his word and you'll know the heart of God. You'll know his heartbeat. Be like John that rests your head against the chest of Jesus and listen to his heartbeat. See what he cares about, who he cares about, and live your life the same way that he did. It says, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, it does not keep his commandments. is a liar and the truth is not in him. But he who keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we're in him. He who says he's in, he'll walk just as Jesus walked, doing the will of God. Amen? Caring about what he cares about, acting like he acted. Whether he has you here, whether he has you working a secular job, whether he has you in another country, we all can live for the will of God. Amen? Amen? One, one amen? Come on, guys. <laughs> Get. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So Jesus laid down his life. And we should, in this life, lay down what we want. Lay down our agenda. Lay down what you want. And live for Christ and serve those around you with your life. Amen? We don't want to get to the end of our life and realize, I wish I would have done everything different. All that I did, was it worthless? All that I did, was it temporal? Was it for this life that has nothing? My house is gone, my, my car is gone, my money's gone, my body's about to die. And what have I done for Christ? That's what you take into eternity with you. What you do for Christ. Leonard Ravenhill, he said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm almost 40. I'll be 40 in February. And I almost had a heart attack in Mexico. Okay? And very close. I had to rush to the hospital. My wife was gone. My friends were gone. It was me and one of my boys. And I went, oh, God, help me. I have a child here. I don't want to leave him in another country by himself. Please, God. And I pleaded with the Lord. Amen? 
and God spared my life. We don't know. We don't know when our time is up. John Wesley was asked, if you were to die tomorrow, what would your life look like? And you know what he did? He went through his daily schedule. I'd get up at 5.30 or whatever. I'd pray. I'd study the word. I would go preach here. I'd go do this. I'd go serve the poor. I'd go do this. I'd go do that. I'd go do this. And I'd go to bed. Okay? Nothing changed in his life. Because he was already pouring out his life as a drink offering. He was pouring out his life for the king of kings. He was doing all the good he could for Christ. Preached over 40,000 sermons. Traveled a quarter of a million miles on a horse. On a horse. No air conditioning. Well, there would have been natural air conditioning, but that would have been a rocky road. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe he walked like this? I don't know. (laughs) You guys like my boots? Woo! Yeah, they were a gift from, from a Mexican, so I sport cowboy boots now. I live in the dirt, so... I can step on snakes and ride horses, you know. Praise the Lord. All things to all people, amen? Uh, you know how hard it was for them to save up for these? Beautiful gift from people that make $15 a day. <clears throat> okay. Okay, Jesus. Great example of a, of a real Man, what does a real man look like? Jesus, amen? What does it tell us about Jesus? That he is the exact representation of the Father. So you see the attributes that are in the Father, you see them in the Son. And he came in person, manifest for all to see, to know. Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? We see those attributes in his Life in the Gospels. And we need to copy those. And then we look at Paul. We have two people left. We're going to look at Paul and we're going to look at Joseph. Who fathered Jesus. Okay? Hour 45 left. Let's see. Okay. Quickly. 1 Timothy 1-2. Listen to this. You say, Jonathan, Paul was not a father. You're right. He didn't have physical kids. But he was a spiritual father. Okay? That's why this is for men too. Amen? Did you guys have a good men's retreat? You go shoot some stuff and talk about Jesus? Oh, wait, let me rephrase that. You talk about Jesus and then shoot some stuff? (laughs) Shooting's fun. I can't have one in Mexico. All I have is a pellet rifle. (laughs) I just pretend. All right, 1 Timothy 1-2. Look what it says. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Okay, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, Timothy was a child to Paul. Paul shepherded him. Paul discipled this young man into a man of God. He raised him up. And he became, uh, you could say the word bishop or an overseer of other overseers. 
Amen? He became so useful to Paul, he was able to say, uh, Timothy, go over here, please, and take care of this problem. Timothy, please go over there and continue and finish up doing the, the job that I wasn't able to finish when I left. Okay? Second Timothy 1, 2, he says the same thing. To Timothy, my beloved son, my beloved son, he was acting as a father to Timothy. The attributes of a father Paul was uh, exemplifying so that Timothy could learn from Paul's life. And we are to learn from his life also. What a man. Would you say Paul was a man? <laughs> that guy was a tough cookie. And yet he had fear within, he said, just like we do. Okay? So you say, oh, John, I'm not like Paul. You know, I, I'm terrified inside. I can't do what he did. Well, you, you qualify. If you're terrified, you qualify. He said, I have trembling and fear inside. It's God that we rely on. It's God that empowers us to do what he calls us to do. You can't do it yourself. If you think you can, then you're going to go through something. Just like Peter did, right? I will never leave you. And then what happened? He denies him three times and curses Curses like a sailor. <laughs> he was a sailor, right? <clears throat> I thought it was funny. All right. <laughs> Titus 1.4. Does Paul have other children? Titus 1.4. To Titus, my true child in the common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? My true child in a common faith. Do you see that? And Paul, I'm sure, discipled so many people. But these were very near to him. These were of kindred spirit that he shepherded and he taught through doctrine and he taught through his lifestyle how to live. Hey, brother, how long do I have? Okay, <laughs> is that a zero in the end, 150? Thank you. That's funny, you got a sign. <laughs> I preached once in Maine in an African church, and, uh, and uh, they, they let me go up there and, and preach. They were a Pentecostal church. Usually, I take advantage when I'm in a Pentecostal church because they love to do things for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Right? They'll lock themselves in a church and they'll stay there all night and like have prayer meetings and stuff. So Pentecostals love spending lots of time doing things, right? Sometimes that's a really great thing. And so when I preach in Pentecostal churches, I say, you don't mind then, right, if I preach for four hours. Okay. They never agree though. <laughs> So the guy, I was preaching and the guy put up like a iPad and I said 10 minutes and I said, oh, he says I have two hours left. And he didn't give me a, a nice smile for some reason. <laughs> I was just teasing. Well, I wasn't, but I, I kind of throw it out there, you know. <laughs> See if I can get something. All right, Titus 1.4. Okay, so Timothy, Titus were sons in the faith to Paul. Joe, would you believe that it's because he led them to Christ? 
Amen. Okay. Right? He led them to Christ and then discipled them and raised them up. And, and praise the Lord, if you read these letters, you'll see where they were. They were, they were placing elders in places, uh, you know, one on an island. And, and uh, Timothy, he was at different places with Paul throughout the scriptures. Amen? Overseeing the churches of God. Why? Because they learned from Paul's life. Amen? You guys soak up all you can in this church. Soak up from your leaders all that you can. Amen? Now let's look quickly. 2 Timothy 3.10. 2 Timothy 3.10. Okay. Now you followed my teaching. He's talking to who? Timothy. Now think of this really quick. Second Timothy was written. Paul was about to go and die. He knew that his time was running out. Now this is a man. Think of this. He's telling a son in the faith, someone he loves. He said about Timothy once, I have no one else like you that's of kindred spirit. That's what he told Timothy at one point. That's amazing. Okay. He was very close to Timothy. He even went and circumcised him, I believe, right? I mean, that's pretty close. <laughs> uh, don't ask me to circumcise you, okay? I do have a knife, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that for you, okay? <laughs> um, and what happens? Second Timothy, understand that he's pouring out his heart, his final letter that I know of, to Timothy. He knows his time is almost done and he's giving him everything that he needs to know to leave with. Timothy, I'm about to go and I've got to leave you with everything that you're going to need to continue fighting this good fight of faith when I go. Okay? That is the heart of Paul in this letter. So understand as we're reading, the things he's saying are of the most importance to Paul to pass on to Timothy, who's going to continue. God bless you. (laughs) Good to see you both. Okay. So let's look at uh, three, what did I say, 310? Okay. Now you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, perseverance persecutions, we don't like that here in America, and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and he did, if you've read the scriptures, okay, and out of them all, the Lord rescued me, the Lord rescued me out of all of my tribulation and persecution and carried me through until my mission was done. Isn't that beautiful? God will keep you. Yes, you'll suffer, but God will keep you if you abide in him. Amen? Abide in him. That is your job. What's your job? To believe in him. What's your job? John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you. Amen? And you will bear much fruit. Okay? And when you do that, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Bible does say, if you deny him, he will deny you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Okay? 
<clears throat> says that, actually, part of that in Timothy. Okay. What, what are we looking at here? You know, what does he say? Not just my doctrine, my way of life. And I have a lot to, to learn myself. I always look at myself every day. I look at myself in my spiritual mirror and I go, oh God, I just, I need to be more like Christ so much. Desperately need more of Christ so I can be a better, better example to my children, my wife, my, the church down there, my brothers and sisters, right? I beg God, I plead with God, form Christ in me, please. I know it will hurt. Please make me more like you, so that I can represent you correctly. Amen? That should be all of our hearts as Christians. To be more like him. To continue to walk in sanctification and grow in godliness. Amen? That's what the grace of God teaches us to do. <clears throat> okay? So, uh, you followed my conduct. That's called discipleship. When someone lives with you, looks at the way that you live, looks at how you handle things, looks at how you act when you're tired. Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little grumpy. <laughs> okay. Long hours, hot day, dirt everywhere. Dog eating all my stuff. Okay. <laughs> okay. But... Paul says, you watched me, my faith, my purpose. What was his purpose? It was not in this world. His purpose was to do the will of God. His purpose was to build up the body of Christ. Those are spiritual things, amen? That was Paul's purpose. He watched his patience, his love, his perseverance, how he continued when it was difficult. All of these things were to teach those around Paul. How to be a real man of God. Not a coward that goes along with the pressures of this world. Not a man that when you're at work and everybody else is stealing and you choose to steal too. That's not a man, that's a coward. A man says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm a Christian at work, I'm a Christian at home, I'm a Christian on Sunday, and I'm a Christian on Friday night as well. Okay, and I can't do that. And yes, you will be mocked. And yes, you will be persecuted. The scripture tells us that the world, they're amazed that you don't run with them anymore in the same life of dissipation, being drunk and going to parties and stuff. The world makes fun of you. The world makes fun of you, Lord. Stop the sun in Jesus' name. <laughs> he did it once, Amen. I'm te I'm te I tease a lot, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. We have to stand and do what is right and say, I'm not going to do that. And yes, everybody at work, they're going to feel guilty because now the way you're living is exposing their sin. And they go, oh, this guy, he refuses to look at the porn on my phone. He refuses to laugh at my dirty joke. Yes, it's hard, men. Yes, it's hard, women. When another woman says, hey, you see that girl? You see that guy? Look what she's wearing. Okay? And it's easy for a woman to say, oh, yeah, because you feel pressured. But you say, I'm sorry. I can't gossip. I, I don't want to cut that person down. I'm a Christian. Okay? It's the same thing. Gossip's a great sin, you women and men. Okay? Gossip is a great sin. By your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. We have to watch our mouths, all of us. 
carefully. Amen? Watch what we say. God is listening every word. Okay? Every idle word that a man speaks, he'll give an account on the day of judgment. That's not my opinion. That's a scripture. Okay? So, Paul's life was an example. Acts 20. Quick, quick, quick. Sorry, Nathan. I borrowed your Bible, so you just have to... You just have to flip through the pages that are in your brain that are memorized already. (laughs) 20. Yes, sir. Acts 20, 17 to 24. Uh, We'll just skim through it. Okay. Paul gathers the elders from Miletus. He sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Okay. He's talking to the elders of the church who are to oversee, and Paul pours into them. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Paul said, you know how I lived my life. Amen? Being an example to others, to men, to elders. You know how I lived my life. You watched me every day. Right? Okay. Serving, verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility. He's saying this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's not boasting. Okay? Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. A man does not shrink back. Is that hard to do? Yes. And is what I'm saying easy? No. That's why we need a prayer life. That's why we need to fill our heart with the word of God richly. That's why we need to be on our faces before God day and night. Oh God, help me to be this man you want me to be. Oh God, help me to be this woman you want me to be. God, help me because I can't do it. Amen? And God will help you. God will give you boldness. God will empower you. To be who he's called you to be. You cannot do it in your own strength. Amen. We cannot do it on our own strength. We will fall like Peter did. Peter learned. But what happened after he got back up? Jesus prayed for him. He prayed for him. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he preached the first open air sermon. Either from the roof or out the window. Either way it was open air. Amen. And 3,000 people came to Christ. They were cut to their heart. They said what can we do to be saved? It's going to happen to you one day brother. (laughs) He loves to preach in the open. Amen. That doesn't happen with me. There's not 3,000. Usually maybe one. One occasionally. (laughs) Mostly they get angry and curse at me. Okay. John Wesley, he said to the people that would preach in the open, he says, if they don't get angry at you or they don't get saved, I don't think you're called to preach. (laughs) So they get angry at me. I guess I'm called to preach, but occasionally they get saved. Amen. Praise Jesus. Okay, I got to be quick here. So he says, you watched my life, okay? And now I'm going in the spirit to Jerusalem, Uh, okay? I've got to keep going here. 1 Thessalonians 1. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Paul says, 
to imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says this to the Thessalonians, that you knew me, you know how I live my life, and you imitated me as I, as I imitated Christ. And he says, you imitated me and Christ. That's what we are to do. Imitate godly men and Christ. Why? Because they are imitating Christ and we are to follow Christ above all. The shepherd of our souls. The great shepherd. Amen? And what happened in Thessalonica, what happened is that they, it says their faith became known to people everywhere. So that Paul didn't even have to tell the world about the faith of the Thessalonians. The world saw it for themselves. Amen? That's why they saw godly examples. And brothers, people need godly examples. They need to see you living for God in a closet, living for God at work, living for God in the basketball court, living for God everywhere and anywhere. Your wife needs to see it. Your kids need to see it. Amen? And it will impact their lives. The world needs to see people living holy for God. Okay. Our last example. Do you have a card with three minutes on it? Okay. You get your fingers. Okay. I want to be on time. Okay. Joseph. We have just in Matthew 1, 1924 and 25. You can just write it down. Joseph was a righteous man. And when he found out the woman that he was partially, he was uh, in the process of being married to, was pregnant. And she said, well, nobody did it. God did it. No one would believe that as a normal person. Okay? He was righteous. And look at his character. He says, so he did not disgrace Mary. He was going to secretly put her aside. Why? In those days, it's not like America. In those days, it was a complete disgrace if you had sex out of marriage. I wish it was that way today, amen? amen? Right? It was a shame to your family. It was a shame to your family name that there was an adulteress there. And according to law, you can die for committing adultery. You'd be stoned to death, right? That is the, the, the Old Testament law, okay? And what happened? He had a dream. An angel told him what was happening, but... But Joseph had to make a decision. He came to a crossroads. Do I choose Christ, who's in the stomach of this woman? If I do, I'm going to have reproach because of Christ. People are going to look at me and my wife in a, in a, in a dirty way. We're going to have shame cover our family name. Everyone's going to know and believe that my wife slept around before we got married and I still married her, okay? That was the, uh, the decision he had to make and that is the crossroads that you have to come to and you have to make yourself. You have to make a choice. Am I willing to suffer for Christ? In America, we've kind of had the comfort of becoming a Christian and not really suffering for it. Maybe a little comment here and there. But that's, that's nothing compared to what people are suffering in the world. But there'll be a day for all of us when you'll come to that crossroad and you have to be a man or a woman and make the choice that Joseph made and say, you know what, I choose to follow Christ. You can say whatever you want about me. You can call me whatever you, you can think whatever about me. You can gossip about me. 
You can hate me. All my friends might leave me. My family might disown me. I am going to follow Christ. Amen? And the last verse is just Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus tells us to enter through the narrow gate. It's narrow. It's difficult. And few find it. But it leads to life. Why is that important? I'm encouraging you today. Choose the hard path in your life. Always choose the difficult path. That is the right path, my friends. My beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the right path. That's the path that God has cut out for you. He went first. He suffered. It's a trail of blood with a crown on your head of thorns. It's a, it's a, it's a path of suffering. But... At the end, there is glory. At the end, that is what you have to look at. You have to have eyes of faith. You have to look with eyes eternally. And look at the end of the road. Look at the end of the road of the world. It's destruction. Look at what happens if you follow the current of the world. You will end up in destruction. If you follow Christ you end up in glory. Amen? So I encourage you, follow Christ down that hard path. There's been millions and millions that have gone before you, a cloud of witnesses, amen, that refuse, they'd rather die than deny Christ. Amen? Love you guys. Thank you for letting me preach. Amen?